Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we are going to be continuing our discussion of the Zen Stoic intentions of humanity and intentions of delusions, otherwise known as the intentions and delusions. So in this episode, we're going to be going through the intention of discipline and the delusion of expediency. So in the previous ones that we did last week, we went through embrace versus resistance, which is having to do with your outlook and how you treat yourself and others. We went through understanding and control, which has to do with how you communicate with yourself and others and the world around you. And in today's episode, we're going to be going through discipline and expediency. Discipline and expediency is related to your relationships with your own thoughts and emotions. Discipline is focused on prioritizing meaning over gratification, through the training and development of your mind, body, and emotions, whereas expediency is focused on prioritizing gratification over meaning through the pursuit of pleasure in order to expedite the process between unpleasant and pleasant feelings or experiences. So this has everything to do with how you actually interact with your emotions. One misconception of stoicism and of a lot of personal development these days is that you can somehow control your emotions. Emotions are not something that you can actually control. They are something that you can interact with, you can communicate with, and the way in which you communicate and interact with your emotions comes down to these two intentions, discipline and expediency. There's actually a short Zen story that I always like to mention when I, whenever it comes to talking about emotions. And it's the story where there's a man riding a horse through a field and the horse is sprinting down the field. And another person who's in the field shouts to the man, hey, where are you going? And the man shouts back to him, I don't know, ask the horse. The interesting thing about that Zen story is that the horse in that case is your emotions. It's a symbol for emotions. Whereas the rider of the horse is a symbol for our mind. So stoicism typically tries to prioritize the mind over the body and the feelings that we have in the body, which are our emotions. Whereas Zen realizes that these are both equally illusory and it's not about substituting one for the other, but responding to what is and being present to both, being that they're both illusions. And having direct experience with the purity of mind makes these illusions disappear. However, in practical everyday life, we need to know how to deal with these things, which is why we bring them up in the Zen Stoic Intentions and Delusions. The way that we can think about it is very much like the horse and the rider of the horse from that story. Your emotions are going to come up. They're not something that you can necessarily control as they are a response to things that happen in your life, things that happen in your mind. What we can do, though, is we can interact with them. We can communicate with our emotions. We can harmonize with our emotions rather than try to control them. If we try to control them, then we're actually engaging in a form of expediency because expediency, like we were saying before, is how we try to expedite the process between unpleasant and pleasant feelings. It's almost like this need to get from a, an unpleasant experience to a pleasant experience as quick as possible and thinking that we can control our emotions and remember that word came up in our previous episode in this series where we talked about the delusion of control. If we think that we can control our emotions, then we're going to start getting into this expedient mindset. And by trying to kind of diminish the emotions down or subdue them, they'll only seek to come back because whatever you resist will persist. So discipline and expediency has everything to do with your relationship to your own thoughts and emotions. So we'll get into discipline first. 
So discipline means to pursue that which is meaningful and worthwhile in your life. Now, this is something that only you can determine, that only you know what is meaningful and worthwhile to you. But discipline focuses on what is most important now while acknowledging various potential visions or potential outcomes of the future along with the potential consequences that may go along with those. So in a state of discipline, you're very self-aware of what your actions can lead to. Now, the disciplined soul is one that is not overpowered by pain or pleasure. It uses its emotions as a compass and acknowledges the emotions without impulsively acting on them, but it doesn't identify with the emotions. It doesn't think that it is the emotion. And instead of trying to soothe the emotions when they come up, it decides instead to translate the emotions into practical wisdom to better guide decisions. So when you are engaging in the intention of discipline, you're not ignoring your emotions, you're listening to them, but you're not listening to them from the standpoint of, I need to do whatever they say, I need to soothe the ones that don't feel good, and I need to chase the ones that do feel good. It's not like that. When your emotions come up, it's an indication, it's a signal That means something. If they're pleasant emotions, it's a reinforcement. If they're unpleasant emotions, the way that you would look at it through discipline is this emotion's coming up for a reason. It's trying to tell me something. It's trying to signal something. So I'm going to explore it and be present with it so that I know what to do or how to change my approach. Because the emotion itself is not the problem. It is a symptom of something that is a problem. Whether that problem is either it's an error of your perception, how you're viewing something, or it's an error of process, which is how you're doing something. So unpleasant emotion will come up, and when you're engaging in the intention of discipline, you stay present to those unpleasant emotions and use them as a guide. Translate them into practical wisdom that you can use now and in the future. So discipline embodies what it is to be the warrior in the garden. It seeks to put its environment in order and make it as beautiful as possible and cherishes the beauty of the garden with gratitude, admiration, and mindful care. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about the warrior in the garden, the garden can be an actual garden or it can be very symbolic to represent our ideals in life, our values and ideals. So as the warrior in the garden, if you're exercising the intention of discipline, you're doing your best to keep your ideals and values in order and make them as beautiful as possible. Express them in the most creative and artistic ways that you can while cherishing them and having a sense of gratitude for them, but also understanding that a storm can come in out of nowhere and destroy your garden. Things can come into your life and destroy your ideals. They can destroy the things that you value. And when you're looking at things through discipline, you are able to better prepare for these inevitable storms so that hopefully they don't destroy what you value. And you're able to protect them as that warrior in the garden. Discipline accepts the temporary nature of our human experience. The disciplined soul realizes that everything it loves and holds close can be taken in a flash. Therefore, it prepares itself mentally, physically, and emotionally for the inevitable battles and storms that life will bring. And it trains with the intention of weathering any storm that could possibly come and be detrimental to the garden. So discipline sees the mind and body as a vessel that allows the journey of life and the human experience to be possible. It treats the body and mind with respect and it challenges itself physically, mentally, and emotionally with the aim of growing past its perceived limitations. When you're intending discipline, you engage in voluntary discomfort for the purpose of strengthening yourself, for the purpose of increasing your resilience and your endurance, whether that's physical through working out or maybe that's mental through reading something difficult or learning something new. 
or it's emotional by being vulnerable with somebody. You're exercising discipline by being vulnerable. Some people think that discipline is not being vulnerable and holding back your emotions, but it actually couldn't be further from the truth. If you're exercising vulnerability, you are putting yourself in a voluntarily uncomfortable situation because we don't always want people to see how we feel, but being vulnerable is actually an expression of discipline. It's something that helps us to strengthen ourselves rather than try to cover up what we feel and take the easy road out. So there are many ways to exercise discipline in your life. Now, discipline sees every problem or unpleasant experience as an area of opportunity where practice, responsibility, and self-awareness have been abdicated. If there is an unpleasant experience, if something doesn't go your way, it's an area where you haven't taken full responsibility. It's an area where you maybe don't have full self-awareness or that you have not practiced and you haven't developed a competency. So when it comes to discipline, we don't wish for these things to be different or easier. With discipline, we pray for our own strength. Instead of thinking to ourselves, I wish that that weight that I was trying to pick up is lighter, we wish to ourselves, I wish I was stronger. And to exercise that wish, I must practice. I must work towards building that strength. So discipline is all about praying for strength versus praying for weakness. It's kind of like what Bruce Lee said. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Now keep in mind as well, discipline can also be exercised by reflecting on your own character, checking on your own intentions, doing that self-examination like we talked about last week, and embodying responsibility for your own actions, having accountability for the expression of your character. Discipline also clearly defines what it seeks and values and has an aim towards what it wants. At the same time, with such an aim and with the acknowledgement and awareness over what's important, discipline is also about drawing boundaries, having resolute boundaries to protect the ideal, to protect the garden, and remaining unburdened with the problems that it's not responsible for. So discipline doesn't mean that you're taking on things that are not actually your responsibility or you're taking on other people's problems, what it means is that you have the awareness to know what's important and meaningful in your life and what is not. It doesn't mean that you disrespect others, but it means that you draw boundaries, that you know how to say no, that you don't allow things to come into your garden that are not good for your garden. Now, on the other hand, we have expediency. Now, the one who seeks expediency is prioritizing immediate gratification over all things. They want the comfort now. And to wait for things to play out or to be present to what is uncomfortable is a great inconvenience and a source of unpleasant emotions. The expedient soul looks at emotions or unpleasant emotions more accurately as a nuisance, as a problem to be dealt with, as something to get away from ASAP. So expediency seeks comfort, convenience, and the path of least resistance for the sake of ease and at the expense of what is most meaningful or useful in the moment. So the expedient mode of being is controlled by pain and pleasure. And it goes against something that Marcus Aurelius said in Meditations where he talked about how the soul does damage to itself by being overpowered by pain and pleasure. And expediency puts pleasant emotions on a pedestal while unpleasant emotions are condemned and avoided at all cost. And when the soul that seeks expediency encounters unpleasant feelings, it immediately latches onto something to use as a bridge between the current unpleasant state of being and the pleasant state of being. Now, when I say bridge, keep in mind that the bridge can come in many forms. And what the bridge is, 
you can look at that as a crutch, as a vice, something that will take you from the bad feeling to the good feeling. So it can be really and truly made of anything. The the building materials for this bridge between the unpleasant and the pleasant can take many forms. It can be food, it can be substances, it can be alcohol, drugs, sex, media, specific behaviors, excessive positive thinking, retail therapy, relationships, emotional states like anger. It can take many forms. And what this does when a person takes this bridge from the unpleasant to the pleasant over and over again, it creates attachment and dependence. When done with enough repetition, it induces what is called a hypnotic rhythm. Now, this concept of hypnotic rhythm is talked about in Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil, which is a phenomenal book where he basically does a dialogue between him and the devil. And hypnotic rhythm is this idea that when you engage in a disempowering habit enough times with enough repetition, you start to develop this hypnotic rhythm where it feels automatic, feels like you don't even know you're doing it, and turns into an addiction. We want to keep in mind that when we become so dependent on the bridge between the unpleasant and the pleasant, whatever we've decided to build that bridge with, we start to base that bridge as part of or the entirety of our identity, which is why when you see somebody who's addicted to something compulsively, they associate themselves to that thing. If somebody can't stop picking up cigarettes, they'll call themselves a smoker. They'll associate it to their identity and align this with their character. Now, we want to keep in mind that the bridge that is built between pleasant and unpleasant doesn't actually solve the initial problem or the unresolved emotion that inspired the bridge in the first place. But it does soothe the unpleasant emotion temporarily. The thing is, it comes close to feeling as though that things are resolved, and it feels like it almost works, but it leads to the misconception that the answer is to keep crossing this bridge over and over and over again. The more the bridge is used the deeper the trance. The bridge will feel as though it validates the individual's identity, like it understands the individual better than anything or anyone else, because it makes them feel good. It takes away the bad feeling. Thus, the individual is willing to sacrifice everything for the one thing, and that is when that attachment becomes an addiction. So we look at expediency as the root of addiction. Now, it is talked about in Buddhism how the root of suffering is attachment. So if the root of suffering is attachment, then we can think of the root of attachment as expediency. Expediency comes from the condemning of what feels unpleasant rather than seeking to understand and fully process the emotion that one feels. When we fail to process our emotions, when we keep pushing them off to the side, we come chronically dissociated from not just our emotions, but ourselves from our lives. Expediency is attached to the outcome. It's attached to that future that it thinks is going to make it feel good. And it attempts to be clever to rush the process. It overindulges in whatever it thinks the bridge between pleasant and unpleasant is. And that overindulgence is rooted in the false belief that that bridge will solve the unpleasant feelings. This is done often with food and drugs, but it can also occur in communication between individuals. If someone desires a connection with another person, they may overindulge in sharing about themselves and their sob story via emotional vomiting or excessive pleasing behavior. So this is also a form of expediency. So you don't just see this in terms of trying to make yourself feel good with substances or behaviors, but this also happens in conversation. If somebody is trying to desperately connect with another person, they might engage in pleasing behaviors as a form of expediency or they might 
engage in what is known as emotional vomiting, where they just kind of throw their whole sob story onto this person, hoping that this person is going to feel a sense of empathy or compassion for them or validate them in some way. And this is also a form of expediency. Not to be confused with what we were talking about earlier when I was saying that a form of discipline could be in, in being vulnerable. Vulnerability doesn't mean emotional vomiting. If you're expressing vulnerability to another person, based on how you're doing it, is going to determine whether you're doing it in a disciplined way or an expedient way. A disciplined way is calibrating and understanding how this person might be receiving your information and also sharing with a sense of sincerity versus a sense of, I want this person to view me a certain way or to reassure me in a certain way. So the person who seeks expediency in connection will emotionally vomit and throw all of their stuff, gush out to this person in an attempt to connect with them. So there is a subtle difference between the two, but discipline acknowledges the consideration for what stage you're at in that connection, in that conversation or that relationship, and whether or not it's okay to divulge information like that. Or if it's expedient, it will just throw it all out there on the table and see what sticks. We want to keep in mind that expediency is blindly obedient to the uncontrollable. It allows the external environment to command whatever that individual is thinking and feeling. And the one who is expedient is always asking the world to tell them who they are. So the soul that seeks expediency becomes the gardener in the war. It tries to rush the process to avoid discomfort. It constantly avoids the real problems by fixating on the symptoms. And it wishes that things were easier and praying for its own weakness. And it fails to realize that the difficulty in life is a signal that there has been insufficient responsibility or practice with whatever context they're feeling unpleasantly about. So we want to keep in mind that in order to get out of expediency and into discipline, it's about taking responsibility, seeing our part in things, realizing that everything unpleasant in your own life is your responsibility to fix. That doesn't mean that everything unpleasant is your fault. This is a very important distinction. Something cannot be your fault, but still be a responsibility. If, for instance, somebody comes to your house and you're throwing a little gathering and they knock over a decoration and it falls on the floor and it breaks into a million pieces because it's made of ceramic or glass or whatever, and they just leave, it's not your fault that they broke that decoration. But because it occurred in your home, it is your responsibility. So with expediency, it's very easy for us to think, well, it's not my fault, so it's not my responsibility. Therefore, I'm going to complain about it or I'm going to do something to forget about it and make myself feel good. Whereas discipline, on the other hand, would say it's not my fault, but it's affecting me now, so it is my responsibility to fix. A lot of the delusion of expediency can be corrected with responsibility and the pursuit of meaning. So to move yourself in that direction, ask yourself, what is most important now? What am I aiming at? Is what I'm aiming at actually important to me? Does it mean something to me? Is it more important than me feeling bad or potentially suffering? Think about that. Discipline will set you free in that sense because it allows you to have a relationship with your emotions that is in harmony with who you are rather than being in a place where you are at the whim of your emotions, where you're dominated 
by pain or pleasure. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. In the next episode on the intentions and delusions, we're going to be getting into the final intention and delusion, sincerity and performance. I look forward to seeing you on the next one.